Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, where we can look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 524. I'm going on my very first week-long cruise on the inaugural voyage of Icon of the Seas. I want to preview what I've got lined up, what I'm planning, and what it's going to be like to go on this brand new ship. Here we go. It's kind of interesting that I'm going on my first cruise on Icon of the Seas, the first, I guess, real revenue cruise, but I've been on Icon now for a three-night cruise and a seven-hour stint. Now, I talked in the last episode about my seven-hour visit to it. Since then, I went on Icon for a quick three-night preview cruise. Full disclosure, Royal Caribbean paid for that cruise, or rather, it was just paid for as free. Everyone look at it. There was no cost to it. It was a short three-night cruise just for travel agents and members of the media, and we've done this in the past for many ships going back to Quantum of the Seas where Royal Caribbean holds a short preview sailing. Usually it's two nights. With Icon, they increased the three because of course there's so much to do on Icon. They figured they needed an extra day and I really do appreciate them doing that because it really made a difference. So having been on the ship and taking a short four day break before the inaugural visit, um, you know, I'm going on this ship again. I'm really looking forward obviously to spending more time on the ship. I really liked it a lot, but I'm equally interested in seeing how the ship flows, how things work, and essentially what it's like to go on a revenue sailing. The good thing about preview sailings is that it allows you to see the ship, explore venues, basically get a sense of what's new, what's different, what's unique, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll be the first to admit that going on a preview sailing, the flow and the venues themselves can be different on a revenue sailing. I remember many a time in which I went on a preview sailing and a certain venue was hopping. It was really popular. And then on the revenue sailing, it was very different. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's next to no children on a revenue, on a preview cruise rather. Uh, preview cruises, by the way, are also limited capacity. So on Icon, I think we topped out at 4,500 guests. Um, and so that was mostly travel agents and media, right? So some people did bring their kids, very few. So there's a little bit of a dynamic there. On the other hand, second hand, I should say, there's also the dynamic of the fact that on a preview cruise, food and drink are complimentary. So that means that your alcoholic drinks are free. And when alcoholic drinks are free, people are a little more outgoing, shall we say, than when things cost money. So that's why I'm interested in seeing what it's going to be like on Icon for a seven-night cruise. For the seven-night cruise, we're sailing out of Miami, and we'll be sailing to the Eastern Caribbean, going to St. Thomas, St. Kitts, and perfect day at Coco Key, I believe in that order, Coco Key being the last day of the cruise. What's interesting about this sailing is, first of all, there's a lot of sea days. Second of all, we do the usual stop in St. Thomas at like 7 a.m. and then leave at 2. I hate this. I don't know why Royal, actually, I probably have a good idea why Royal Company needs to do it. It's probably because it costs them less money, but it's terrible. I hate these stops where, and they do this in San Juan, Puerto Rico sometimes too where you only have like a half day. This is worse though. San Juan usually gets in the second half, like you roll in at three and then you leave at like, I don't know, 10 p.m. or something. But if you arrive in any port before 9 a.m., it's a complete waste of time because nothing is open before nine o'clock in the morning. So that's two wasted hours off the bat. And then you have to, of course, be back on board the ship, right? Two o'clock is all aboard. So realistically, you're back on board at one o'clock at the latest if, you, if you're smart. And, uh, you know, most people come back by noon. So you're talking about like three or four hours maximum. It's disappointing to say the least. And I wish Real Caribbean would change that. I just, that is like one of those weird, I just don't know why they continue to do it, um, but they do it. Anyway, 
Um, in terms of the ports, we're visiting uh, St. Thomas. We're going to St. John. There's a real coming excursion to go there. And then I don't have anything else booked in St. Kitts. We'll kind of make a game time decision on that one. I'm not even sure we'll get off the ship, quite frankly. But in San but in Perfect Day Cuckoo Key, we're doing the Hideaway Beach. And we have a cabana booked for that. And I'm looking we did a preview of Hideaway Beach when we visited on the preview sailing. It was really cool. And we spent maybe an hour or two in there, maybe three. Anyway, this will be the full day. So I'm looking forward to seeing that and experiencing that. And those cabanas, by the way, look amazing. This is the we have the hideout cabana which has a little uh, pool area in front of it. It looks amazing. I am curious, again, what it's like in here in terms of, you know, with quote-unquote real guests. It'll be interesting. But let's get back to Icon itself and the inaugural sailing. When you go on an inaugural sailing, you know, I'm always not sure what to expect. Other inaugural sailings, first sailings, whatever you want to call them, have had a lot of pomp and circumstance to them. There will be, there has been, I should say, in the past, uh, souvenirs basically you come back to your cabin and there's something waiting in your room maybe not every day but many days of the cruise in addition there may be uh, a number of executives still on board i wouldn't expect as an example the ceo to be there michael bailey but i think there'll be some other you know svps and vps out there who are essentially making sure that everything's running smoothly and this can happen for the first one to three sailings that a new ship does maybe not svps on the third sailing but you kind of get the idea um, in addition to that, there is a little bit of a sense of aura about going on a maiden voyage. It's a big party. It's a celebration. Uh, I did an interview for a local news station when Icon came out, and they were talking about the first cruise. And the first cruise is kind of like a mix of Woodstock and senior prom. It's, it's a party. It's a celebration. You want to be with your friends. And you're not exactly sure what you're going to get in the whole thing. And I really think that's... Still a fairly good analogy about what it's like going on an inaugural visit. For a lot of people that are on that sailing, they are big Royal Caribbean fans. They want to celebrate this new ship and they want to be part of it. It's almost like going to a concert and be like, I was there, you know, in, in that way. Like I was there when this happened. Essentially, it's a badge of honor for a lot of people going on a cruise that they were there for the maiden voyage. For me, there is this little sense that I think number one reason I'm on a maiden voyage of any new ship is obviously for RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. I want to be able to cover it, and I want to be able to, you know, experience it for myself. I will admit, though, that being able to see a lot of friends and family that are on board, no, actually just friends, I don't think there's any family on board that I know, but uh, seeing a lot of friends and colleagues and people I've run into over the years is a really neat experience, and I love that. So this is a really cool thing where we get to enjoy that and and it's it's kind of a good celebration not a group cruise i don't want to confuse anyone with that so i don't have any events planned or anything like that but i want to be able to uh you know enjoy it all and cruises are always better with friends that's why we do the group cruises throughout the year and that's why uh you know i'm looking forward to this as well for this sailing originally i was supposed to go with my wife uh only the uh my kids are in school being that this is the end of january early february uh, the cruise begins on january 27th so the kids were never going to go. I booked my wife in it. Unfortunately, we our babysitting plans fell through, and it looks like I'll be going by myself on this cruise, um, which is obviously uh, bittersweet, I should say. On the one hand, listen, I enjoy going on a cruise by myself. It's nice. It's just a nice change of pace, especially on a cruise like this one where it's new sailing. So there's a there's more work involved. And I use air quotes in work, but it is work that I do. So my wife doesn't love when I go on a cruise and do work so much, but it is what it is. On the other hand, I would like to be able to be with her to experience it. That's just more fun for me. Uh, I think anyone who's married probably understands that. And just, it's just 
you know, more enjoyable. So I will miss her from that standpoint. Um, <laughs> it's also a bit of egregious now, <laughs> the fact that which cabin I booked, because I thought, okay, well, I'm going to be working on the cruise. I want to be able to celebrate. My wife wants to be able to, you know, I want to make sure she has something nice, right? Be able to enjoy a, a nice experience without the kids. Uh, and also a bit of a way to research, if you will. Uh, so I booked a suite. It'll be a suite just for myself in it. Anyway, we're in an owner's suite. Um, I wonder if this is, before you, I know you're all thinking, but I swear this is in the name of research in addition to me just loving my wife. When we were on one, when we went on Wonder of the Seas for her inaugural sailing, we booked a balcony cabin. Cause I was like, why should I just the two of us? And in that case, yeah, it was just the two of us. And I was like, why do I care? You know, um, you know, what, what cabin I'm in, right? Cause I'm just gonna be walking around the ship. All those things I was talking about earlier. Well, one of the first questions I got her, and it was a very common question was, Hey Matt, what's it like in the suite area? What is the suite lounge like? What is coastal kitchen like? What's the, you know, blah, blah, blah. The, the sweet sun deck, those types of questions. And don't forget, Icon has a new neighborhood just for sweet guests. So in the name of research, I have taken it upon myself to book my suite. And that's why we're doing that. I know no one has any sympathy for me or, you know, thinks I'm a real hero. Or <laughs> I don't think you, I don't expect you to. I'm just trying to justify why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because in most cabins or most cruises rather, and I, I most, especially if I know that it's just me going on there or, even my wife, some, we'll just do like maybe a junior sweep. Like that was the case on Serenade of the Seas. When we went there earlier, or last year, I should say, for uh, our group cruise, I booked a junior sweep thinking it was going to be me and my wife and ended up being me alone. Anyway, it is what it is. Um, for the cruise, you know, and having gone on the preview sailing, I wanted to highlight a couple of venues that really stand out to me. Place, things that I want to do and experience more of. Number one is definitely dueling pianos. Um, I wasn't sure about dueling pianos. I was never a huge schooner bar fan. I always preferred the pub, number one. Number two, the last time I went to a dueling pianos might have been, I think, spring break 2003 when I was in college. We went to Howl at the Moon in Fort Lauderdale. It has been a long time. Um, so I wasn't quite sure. Anyway, on the previous sailing, we spent one night in dueling pianos, and I was really blown away. It was a lot of fun. There are two piano players. I believe their names are Tim and Sarah, and they are, I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that. But anyway, they're really talented. It was a lot of fun. They do two sets a night. I will tell you, if you want to see dueling pianos, arrive early like 30 minutes beforehand because it's a decent sized venue but seats go extremely quickly and by the time the show starts it will not only be standing room only it will be standing room only into the promenade like they're going like two or three people two or three deep in the promenade trying to catch a glimpse of the show so you want to get there early and i'm definitely planning on doing that i'm not sure i'll go there every single night but i definitely want to go there at least a couple nights to be able to experience it so that's uh, the number one venue for me that I'm really looking forward to. Number two is Empire Supper Club. So I I didn't have plans to, but I ended up trying Empire Supper Club on the preview sailing. We had booked it for the revenue sailing, and I was totally fine waiting for the revenue sailing to try it. And then I was given the opportunity to try Empire Supper Club. Again, no cost for the uh, visit on the preview sailing, but I did pay for it for the uh, inaugural. Anyway, I am looking forward to going back because... I had done chef's table like two or three times on other ships. And I always thought it was an okay experience. It's, I didn't love, it was always, it's always awkward in the beginning because you're seated with a lot of strangers. Number two, the food selections are always a little frou-frou for my choice and just didn't really grab me. There was always like one or two things that really jumped out and I loved it, but overall it was whatever. And it also took like forever. I think the first time I ever did it was like four hours or something like that. Anyway, Empire Supper Club, I went in not, again, a little leery. But I really enjoyed it. The music, the ambiance, the food, the cocktails instead of wine. Big, big fan. So I'm looking forward to just like dueling pianos. I want to go back 
to see is it you know is it what it was like do i really love this place or did i just have a really good time the first time and repeatability is a problem i don't know anyway i'm looking forward to trying that out for sure very excited for that number three i am interested to see what the sweet deck experience is like i always thought wonder of the sea sweet deck is the best in the fleet it combines shade service pools um i really like that of course the sweet sun deck has a new restaurant over there they have a buffet restaurant in addition to coastal kitchen and being a sweet guest, I'm looking forward to at least trying that and seeing how that all flows. And, you know, really that lends me to, I question, people have already asked me, and, I, and by the way, I don't know the answer to it yet, is Icon of the Seas my new favorite cruise ship? Um, I've said this in the past. I don't just pick new ships as my favorite ship out there. Uh, sometimes it has been the newest ship has been my favorite, but I really truly believe my heart of hearts, that's more of a coincidence than anything else. Anyway, I, I'm curious to see in a real world setting, how icon flows and you know certain venues and and does it really you know am, am i really excited for it in that in that sense to become my favorite certainly the entertainment i didn't actually see any of the shows on the previous sailing it was so busy and during preview sailings royal caribbean runs you around to different meetings and we're, we were trying to film the ship tour which by the way is available on our youtube channel so all that being said i didn't get a chance to see the shows on board and so i'm looking forward especially to see wizard of oz there was a short preview we saw during one of the q a sessions and I got to tell you, the production value was amazing. I was blown away by it. So anyway, I'm suffice to say, I'm looking forward to seeing the shows. I booked reservations for the shows already when they came out via the cruise planner. And that was super easy. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. So pretty excited for that. Beyond that, the water slides. I didn't do the water slides yet. Got to do that. Maybe spend some time in the, in, in the hideaway, which is the adults only area. I'm never, I was never really much of a solarium guy, but hey, maybe I'll like the, the hideaway a bit more. Looking forward to checking that out. Um, I'm just looking forward to not running around the ship like a madman this time around. And of course, there's other things. Just, you know, I barely spent time in the casino. I didn't go to music hall at all. Um, I didn't see restaurants like Pier 7, which I'm equally interested in going to. I know it's at Surfside, but I've heard some really good things about the food there. So I want to try that out. By the way, speaking of food, I did purchase the Ultimate Dining Package for this cruise. I booked it like, the first day it came out, and the price has gone up since then. But I will say with the Ultimate Dining Package... I feel like the it's interesting because it essentially covers a number of restaurants, but one of the changes I've noticed on Icon is there's a lot more opportunities to snack, if you will. Like Trellis Bar has a extra cost menu. Base Camp has mostly an extra cost menu. There are some complimentary items there, but most of the menu is extra cost. Um, there's the Izumi Sushi Window. Those three things are not included in the dining package because I think Royal Caribbean considers them snacks and it's the ultimate dining package, not the ultimate snacking package. How much of a difference is it is from Playmakers? I don't know, but it is what it is. Anyway, um, I'm not sure that I, quote unquote, you know, regret it by any means. I think I'll get value out of it. Heck, I could eat seven days of sushi and Izumi at the sit-down restaurant and be totally happy with it, but that'll be an interesting thing. Um, you know, there's Aquadome Market, which by the way, if you go on Icon, do yourself a favor, go to the Aquadome Market um, because that is a complimentary restaurant. It's a food hall. I was blown away by how good it was. I went there two times on the preview sailing, one time on the seven-hour trip. It was so good. I got to recommend that a lot. The, the the Greek station is my favorite. But anyway, I think they've really hit a home run with that. So I'm looking forward to seeing going there again, probably. And then, of course, going to other restaurants. I mean, you, you know, you have the three core restaurants that are included, Hooked, Giovanni's, and Chops. Um, with Hooked, I know you're saying, Matt, you like, I don't like Hooked, but I'm willing to give it another try. Maybe I'll just have a steak and call it even. 
Playmakers is included. Izumi uh, Sushi and Izumi Hibachi are also included, although Hibachi does have a stipend. And Izumi Sushi has a, well, stipend. Uh, there's a quota for it, just like Playmakers does. Anyway, I think I'll be fine with it. I'm not going to regret anything with it. But I am curious to see how it flows and which restaurants end up eating at more. I did already purchase, as I mentioned, Empire Supper Club, so there's one less dinner I'm going to. But... Overall, having spent already three and a half days on Icon of the Seas and seven more coming, I'm super excited for it. I really cannot wait. I'm taking the Bright Line train from Orlando to Miami, staying the night before at the JW Marriott Marquis, which is right downtown. I would have stayed at the Intercontinental, um, which is also downtown, but I think it was sold out when I looked at it. Anyway, I used credit card points, so it really didn't matter. And I booked that hotel. Um, and then I'll be getting on board the ship as early as I can and looking forward to a great cruise on there. Now we'll have a post-cruise review afterwards obviously and sharing some of my thoughts there but i wanted to kind of encapsulate where things are so let me give you a preview i'm going to make predictions about what i think my cruise is going to be like i think i'm going to love empire supper club equally or more i think i'm going to love wizard of oz i think i'm going to enjoy but not as much maybe the ice skating and the aqua theater show i'm gonna if i'm my predictions i'll rank them in this order wizard of oz one ice skating two Aqua Theater 3. I'm trying also not to establish preconceived notions for myself, but here I am. Um, I am going to... What other predictions can I make about Icon? Um, oh, where will I spend most of my nights? Because usually I'm in the pub. I still think I'm going to spend most of my nights in the pub. I think I'm going to spend on a seven-night cruise at least three nights in the pub. And I say in the pub, I mean, I was thinking other places, but like, you know, that's where I'll my home away from home in the evening time. I think I'll do one night in dueling pianos as I think that I'll enjoy it a lot, but um, the amount of work to get a spot may be too much, but maybe two, you never know. Maybe one night I call it, I call it early or we go straight to the casino. Um, I don't have a drink package for this cruise, so I am relying on my casino prime status in order to get free drinks. I think we've talked about this in a previous podcast episode. But if you achieve the first tier, I guess the second tier, everyone will look at it. The first tier up in Casino Royale, which is the Casino Loyalty Program, uh, Prime gets you free drinks in the casino. And between that and my diamond drinks being Pinnacle, I feel like that's a pretty good balance for what's included rather than paying extra for a drink package. Anyway, um, the reason I'm telling you all this is because I'm drawn to the casino to some extent to be able to get my drink package value in the sense I have it from there. So that may be a compelling option, but I still think I'll spend most of the nights on the cruise. Maybe not all seven, but like I said, three or four in the pub. Uh, there is a great pub singer already in there, Kevin Phillips, who's been on a number of new ships and always does a great job. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. And then in terms of the hideaway beach, I, I, have, I have little doubt in my mind that I'm going to have an amazing time at the hideout cabana. I think it's going to be great. I always... Re I I wish Royal Caribbean would never would not put Coco Key as the last day because you got to like get off the island a little early in order to go pack and stuff before dinner. I wish they would always do it. Sea days is the last day is the best way to do it. But anyway, um, I am looking forward to the whole thing. I, I just I just can't wait to get back on board the ship, see some friends on board, experience Icon for seven nights and then really get um, a, a really good sense of it. By the way, uh, we do have an Icon of the Seas group cruise coming up in june of this year if you want to join us for it there's still time to book it more information at royalcaribbeanblog.com events
All right, friends, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer emails you sent me. You can always send me your emails by sending them to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. First email is from James Gregg from Kansas City, who has a follow-up for us from his previous email he sent in at some point. I don't know when we read it. But anyway, I might want to follow up on your response to my previous podcast questions regarding my recent sailing on Allure of the Seas out of Galveston. Thank you for your tips and thoughts. First, on the margaritas, you were right. He said the best place for margarita without the sugary mix would be the Sabor Bar, and boy, did they come through. After explaining what I was looking for, the bartender, Anthony, said, oh yeah, you want a skinny margarita. He muddled some limes and oranges, added two shots of Patron, and a shot of orange liqueur. Shook the ice, and there you have it. Definitely good value for the diamond drink voucher. Second, I wanted to report on the internet pack. We had two adults and two young kids who've never really needed to connect multiple devices at once before. The diamond benefit isn't actually for a free day of internet, it's for 24 hours. We didn't use the internet the first night, then we were able to sign in around 9 a.m. the next morning, work as much as we needed for the day, and we were good to go. Then on day three, we did our uploads before the first 24-hour internet access period expired. We signed up for the next 24-hour period, day three, etc. So if anyone is okay with having some no internet time, they could probably stretch out a family's worth of diamond vouchers and get by for a seven-day cruise. James, thanks for the email, buddy. Thank you for sharing your experience there. I'm so glad that it worked out well for you. That is fantastic. Next email is from Kelsey Keel. Hi, Matt. Love listening to your podcast. Keeps me thinking about upcoming cruises and gives me happy thoughts on the morning commute. My fiance and I are avid cruisers, and our next cruise is our honeymoon on Wonder of the Season June. Since it's our honeymoon, we decided to buy all the packages, including packages we don't usually get. I know Wonder has so many specialty dining choices. We got the ultimate dining package. I was wondering if you could tell me just exactly how it works. From my understanding, we get lunch when we first get on on embarkation day in the dining venue, and then we can place reservations for the rest of the cruise right or do it from the app at that point. <clears throat> you'll do it You'll do it in person. You can't do it in the app yet anyway. Also, when it says unlimited, what does that mean? I've heard some talk about the dining package. I don't understand it means one specialty restaurant a day or is it truly unlimited? Say if we want to go for Johnny Rockets for lunch and then assume for dinner, can we do that with the package or is it just one meal at a time per day per person? No, it's exactly how you described it, Kelsey. Um, it's unlimited. You go to Johnny Rockets for lunch and assume for dinner. Heck, you go for... Chatterguts for lunch, assuming for dinner at five o'clock and then go to Chops for dinner at eight o'clock. I don't think you'd want to, but you could. I also saw that on sea days, we get a lunch included. Is that right? Yes. If basically, Kelsey, if our specialty restaurant is open and it's included in your package, then you can go there. Um, the only exceptions, I guess, would be certain restaurants that have a stipend like Playmakers is $20 a person per day. Um, Izumi is $40 a person per day. Certain restaurants are not included. Chef's Table. Um, Empire Supper Club. There's no Empire Supper Club on your ship, but you get it. Uh, Mason Jar is included. <clears throat> trying to think of another exception on your sailing. Um, but anyway, there are some exceptions there. But otherwise, you know, Chops, Izumi, Hooked. They're hooked on your ship. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> those are included. So, Kelsey, uh, basically, when you get on board the ship, go make your reservations. Um, it's That's my number one tip with the dining package is as soon as you get on board, usually on the Royal Promenade, there is a crew member in front of a desk that says like restaurant reservations and they can help you make the reservations there. You just can't book it in advance. That may change later this year, but for right now, we're gonna keep that as the de facto answer. Uh, Robert from New Jersey has our next question. Thanks for everything you do. I have a question about excursion bookings on Perfect Day. If I booked the water park already, I know someone will not let me book something else at the same time. I realize that they don't want people making mistakes. What if I want to leave the water park and do the zip line or balloon or something else in between? Is it possible to book that online or do I call? You should be able to call, Rob. I know what you're talking about. 
Obviously, I would say, I guess, if you were trying to book the water park, which technically means that, I don't know, nine and the zip line at nine, that may be a problem. But it won't let, it won't stop you from booking a zip line, you know, at noon. I really don't think so. Um, that'd be totally fine. I think it's a waste of your money to some extent for the water park. Um, I would recommend in, in Perfect Day, you know, the zip line and the balloon, those are totally fine to do, you know, on their own. The water park, Hideaway Beach, and Cocoa Beach Club are experiences best experience, in my opinion, when you spend the whole day there. I think if you leave, even for an hour, it just kind of eats away at the value that you're going to get there. So my advice is save those for another day if you're doing the water park. Um, but you wouldn't be the first person to do that either. Right? At the end of the day, it's your vacation. So <laughs> you're good to go on that front. Uh, Mark has our next question. Uh, I'm a longtime listener, bi-annual cruiser, and huge fan of the podcast for all its tips and tricks. I'm approaching Diamond status soon. I have a question regarding the Diamond Lounge. Are friends and family of Diamond members who are not Diamond members themselves allowed to come in the Diamond Lounge? The answer is no. Looking forward to the benefit and hope I can share it with my fellow cruisers. Yeah, fortunately you can't. It'd be great if you could, but you can't, Mark. It's only for Diamond members, so they're not allowed in there. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. And our last email is from Chase Slinker. Hi, Matt. Love your podcast. I've been playing catch-up ever since I started listening back in September. My partner and I are leaving on, leaving Miami on a five-night cruise to Falmouth, Jamaica, and Labadee, Haiti in February on Explore the Seas. It's our third Royal Caribbean cruise and first on a smaller ship. The other two were Anthem in 2015 and 2022. I tried to look back through your podcasts and videos and didn't see much on Explore. Do you have any recommended must-dos or definitely avoid or Explore in terms of activities, shows, etc.? We're staying in an interior promenade view. Um... Definitely sail away, go to the helipads. My favorite things about a Voyager class ship, you know, Explorer didn't get all the whiz bang features because she never got amplified like she was supposed to. She didn't get water slides. They just snuck those in like during a random refurbishment last year. But I would say in general, um, just, you know, make sure you go for sail away on there. I don't think there's any avoids. Um, check out the, uh, at the bow of the ship, like on a sea day, go over there and check out the Peekaboo Bridge, one of the few ships that has one is Explorer. We can peek, literally peek into the bridge, which is pretty cool. Additionally, what do you recommend in terms of excursions for Falmouth and Labadee? I watched your video on Labadee and we have tickets to the mountain coaster and I'm excited to hopefully get over the quieter area of the beaches. Falmouth, I'm stuck, what to do? I wish I could give you a recommendation, Chase. I have yet to find anything good. The last time, the last time I had a good excursion in Jamaica was like in 20, I don't know. It must have been like 2012. Um, we went to, we got a day pass to the Hilton Rose Hall, but I've not been back since. And everything else I've done since then stinks. Um, I've been very disappointed with almost every single one since then. So I don't have a really good one, Chase, but I can say, yes, definitely do that excursion. Uh, my advice to you is maybe check out the Royal Caribbean blog message boards. We have a short excursion forum over there. Maybe you'll find something there. I will add that um, Blue Hole is a beautiful scenic destination. It's about an hour away. If I were going back to, to Falmouth tomorrow, I would probably book that. That you can book through Royal Caribbean. It looks really pretty. Um, of course, many of the excursions I, I booked that were terrible look pretty online, but I digress. I would give that a try, but I've never done it. It could be terrible. Chase, I know it's a very long bus ride. That's one knock on it, but hopefully it'll be okay for you. P.S. Could you please provide Recommended contact information for a good travel agent. We booked ours individually in the past and want to heed your advice on using a travel agent in the future. Um, MEI travels, who I recommend, they're our sponsor, so full disclosure, but I use them for everything. When my parents need to go on a cruise, I recommend MEI travel. When my friends or family need one, I recommend MEI travel. So 
I literally put my money where my mouth is on this one. And um, to get in contact with them, Chase, just go to royalcoreanblog.com. There's a big yellow form there. Fill that out and uh, you'll be good to go. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Thank you for listening. And uh, if you want to send me your email, you can always send them to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.